Welcome to the Fifth Quarter Podcast. My name is Rick Samprin. The Ticats tangling with the Argos in one last preseason tune-up. What did I and the fans think of their performance? Find out as the Fifth Quarter Podcast starts now. We've been talking Tiger Cats football for over 50 years. Welcome to the Fifth Quarter, powered by Eastgate Ford on 900 CHML. This is the fifth quarter on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. It was a walk-off win, but this time in favor of the Argonauts. They win it tonight, 18-17. to Boris Beatty with the game-winning field goal to give Toronto a 1-1 and record in the preseason. And the Tiger Cats finish off the CFL's exhibition schedule with an identical one and one record. What did you think of the game? Who is your player of the game? We no doubt about it have the big play of the game, and we'll bring that to you later on in the fifth quarter. We are live on CHML's Facebook page, and unlike last week, it looks like it's working this week. So that's a thumbs up, at least a good start, as we ironed out all the wrinkles in preseason game number one, and we are off to the races here in preseason game two and getting ready for the regular season opener, which happens on June the 11th as the Tiger Cats head over to Regina to take on the Saskatchewan Roughriders when all the plays, all the stats, all the wins and losses start counting for real. We are opening up the phones at 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell phone if you're driving home from Guelph or you're sitting comfortably in your home after listening to the ball game here on 900 CHML Radio and the Ticats Audio Network. We are eager to hear your thoughts on what happened tonight and how you think this Ticats team did in the preseason and we'll make some prognostic for 2022. You can email your thoughts on tonight's game to me. That email address is rick at 900chml.com. And you can use the hashtag fifth quarter on Twitter at AM900CHML. At Rick Samprin, we are, yes, indeedy do, broadcasting live on CHML's Facebook page. You can log on there and make your voice heard with what you thought about tonight's game. And again, we are going to talk about 2022. What do you anticipate this Ticats team is going to achieve this season? Before we get to your calls, your emails, your tweets, and some of those already streaming in, I'll offer you my thoughts on tonight's game. It was a sloppy one. And not a lot of the starters, A, started the game, and B, if they did, they didn't play a lot of the game. There was no Dane Evans tonight, no Don Jackson. Um, pretty much all the starting receivers from last year did not suit up in this game. Uh, a lot of the f- defenders took the night off. It was one of those games where uh, I think head coach Orlando Steinauer said, all right, what do we got? Let's look at our backups, our depth guys, the next crop of, who knows, CFL all-stars, and I think they got a good look because they got a lot of playing time. Now, whether or not anyone showed their medal and showed that they could uh, be a true impact player in this league, I think remains to be seen. My player of the game, and I'll offer my thought on this first, Lawrence Woods, whenever you return a punt 99 yards for a touchdown, that puts you in contention, and I thought that play deserved him being the player of the game. Who's your player of the game? Give me your thoughts on tonight's game at 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell phone. Email rick at 900chml.com. On Twitter, at Rick Samprin, at am900chml. Again, use the hashtag fifth quarter. And we're on CHML's Facebook page. And yes, folks, it is working this week. We are all good on the Facebook front, finally. Um... And gladly, because last week it was it was a struggle. FM fan says on Twitter, comments for the fifth quarter player of the game goes to Woods for the return for the TD. Another comment, 13 penalties for 134 yards is what lost it for us today. The team needs to clean it up. And that is absolutely true. Way too many penalties, especially in that fourth quarter. 13 flags, 134 yards, a litany of laundry on the field in the fourth quarter. And so much so, at one point I tweeted, are the officials just practicing throwing flags to get ready for the season? Is this their preseason practice, how to throw a flag? 
purposefully, forcefully, adamantly. Uh, they did a fine job of doing that in the fourth quarter. Some of the infractions, mm, I'm not too sure they were well warranted. But I digress. 905-645-3221, star 9900. Dave in Grimsby is called in the fifth quarter. Dave, how are Eric, you today? Hello, Dave. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, man. I, I called you twice last week. I'll try to keep it to one today. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I really have two things, you know, tonight to talk about. And both, I, you know, I try not to be negative, Rick, but I have two negative things tonight I want to talk about. And, you know, the first is the fact that I have to wait 30 minutes to, to, to call into the fifth quarter. You know, to me, throughout all the years and 900 CHML, the post-game show has been the fifth quarter. And all of a sudden, I have to wait 30 minutes. You know, I understand why. Don't get me wrong. I understand why. But ever since I was a child, the post-game to the Ticat game has been the fifth quarter. Driving home from the game, listening to the fifth quarter. Well, we're still so, here, so I get your no, point, but we're I still here. I understand that, Rick. I understand that. But I'm talking right after the game. As a kid, I was running to the car with my grandpa. <laughs> I told you last week, passed away around Christmas. We ran to the car so we could turn on 900 CHML and listen to the fifth quarter. Well, now you don't have to run. You can stroll at a leisurely pace and get to your vehicle. Rick, I think the bottom line is what I'm trying to say is, to me, the fifth quarter is the post-game show and not what's on there now. And I hope one day it becomes that again because since I was a child, the fifth game, the fifth quarter is, is the post-game show. Anyhow, getting beyond that. Okay. Tonight, I was kind of disappointed, you know, probably, <laughs> probably for the first time. You know, I voiced my opinion to you already in both great cups at Orlando Steinauer loss. He got out coached by Michael Shea. Okay. And there was two times probably in, in Steinauer's existence that I've been disappointed in him. But tonight, you know, you got to, you got to, you know, you're training, you're training camp and you got your, your two preseason games. And tonight, for the tie cats, it seemed like to me it was a competition who would be the third string quarterback. And to me, who cares? Yeah, I agree with if you there. Evans and Schultz go down, I don't expect to win a great cup. And you know what? If they do both go down, you call David Watford, and I'm sure he'd come back. He's a great game manager. He was 2-0 and for us last year with barely any yards. Who cares about the third-string quarterback? I want to see at least the first-string offense play two quarters in the second preseason game so they're ready for week one of the season. Now we have a first-string offense that played the first quarter of the first preseason game, and now they're going into Saskatchewan next week cold as ice. Stone cold Steve Austin cold. That's pretty cool. Do you but, agree? Or, well, here, I, I just don't get it. Here's who one. Here's about who the third string quarterback is. Here, uh, I agree cares? with you, I agree with you there. But here's what this game was all about with these two quarterbacks in particular. And obviously, you know, the, the, the game is more just about the QBs. But with Jamie Newman and Jalen Morton, I think the Ticats brass is thinking: uh, Do one of these two guys deserve a spot on our practice roster? Because if something happens, we can, you know, develop them throughout the season and maybe they become, you know, a competent starter. Maybe even, who knows, knock on wood, an elite player in this league. I didn't see anything that would indicate that tonight, but that's why you keep a guy on your practice roster to say, hey, do we have something here? Can we develop this guy into a competent or elite level player, quarterback or, or otherwise? But again, from what I saw today, they got a lot of work to do with both these guys. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but at the least, they should have started Schultz today with the starting offense in case Evans does get injured, and then Schultz has some some at least playing time against real defenses, not practice with the starting receivers and running back. Like we got Durant, we got Ellington, we got 
um, uh, Poppy White. We got Tim White. We got a whole bunch of guys that haven't even played it down in preseason and are supposed to be in our starting offense. That worries me. You know, they're going there cold. There's a risk of injuries. There's a risk of, you know, miscommunication, not being gelled with the quarterback, because we know for the past several years it's not just been one quarterback. It's been Evans and Mazzoli. So they got to get a rhythm with, with Evans here. And, and they've had one quarter, the first quarter of the preseason game, to get aligned. I just don't get it. It doesn't I, make sense. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But don't forget, they are practicing too, so it's not like – you know, Schiltz and Evans. Well, it's close it enough to, you know, for preseason, it's close enough. Uh, I don't know. The first half of today's game, basically the entire Toronto Argo first string offense, with the exception of Andrew Harris, played. And I have to give credit to the Ticats defense, who is my player of the game today, for keeping that score 10-9, to considering that the Ticats did not have even close to their starting offense in compared to Toronto's. And the score was 10-9 for the Ticats after the first half, which I believe is incredible for the Ticats considering the difference in the level of offense. But they had DeVaris Daniels, they had Gettins Jr., they had Banks out there, they had, you know, uh, the, the quarterback, uh, Bethel Thompson, the, everybody, the entire first half. And we basically played a bunch of nobodies. And we're still leading at the half. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand. Why not put the starting offense in for one quarter? The game probably would have been over. Yeah, it could have been. You know, they scored 21 points in the first half and, you know, instead of 10, I, I and it's a, it's a much different ballgame. You want your, your your first your first string offense to be running like a well-oiled machine, and when you get one out of eight quarters in the preseason, you can't expect them. You know, we might not see the true offense until late second quarter next week to Saskatchewan, and it might be too late at that point. Could be. The other point, too, is, you know, the Ticats brass knows what they're getting in Dane Evans. They know all about Matthew Schiltz from his time in Montreal. They know about guys like Don Jackson and all the receivers that they have, Braylon Addison at all. And that includes the defense, too. And I think they they really obviously treated this game like, all right, what else do we got on this team? We know about all the other guys. What other kind of talent do we have on this team? And I think... They were able to see it through the film, especially, and, and through what they saw with their, you know, with their eyes in the sidelines and in the sky. Um, again, it's one game. It's a preseason game. It's hard to tell, but I wasn't too impressed with the guys on the field. The effort was there. They didn't. They didn't do enough to say to me that wow, you know, there's some diamonds in the rough here. Yeah, well, there's some good plays here and here. Obviously, you no. Know, Jamie Newman was eight of eight for 88 yards. He had a nice touchdown toss to Anthony Johnson. But at the end of the day. Um, they weren't consistent enough. I think they had nine first downs, which is not enough at all. Toronto, 25. Um, so they got some I work agree. to do. And that's what I'm saying. Give me one quarter. Give me one quarter with the starters. At least get them ready for next week. And that's what I'm worried about. Practice isn't the same as a game playing against an actual defense that's trying to stop you, trying to hurt you, you know, and – just them not not playing this week. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think it's just a big, big mistake by Steinauer, and I really hope it doesn't cost us next week. And I, I'm I'm fully aware that by week two, I'm sure they'll have the the kinks worked out. But I just think it's it's just a big misstep, and and it's an unnecessary one. I've never seen a preseason game in my life watching Ticat preseason games where the starters didn't at least play one quarter. It doesn't make sense. And if you're not going to play any starters, it's usually the first preseason game, not the second one. It just, I don't know, it, it, it hit a nerve with me, and I'm, and I'm glad at least the Ticats kept it close, and I thought the defense was great against uh, Bethel Thompson. They, they, they really didn't get any momentum. Uh, first couple drives, they looked good, but, but that's about it. But overall, it just disappointed in Stein hours. Just bad coaching, in my opinion. And so your player of the game is the Ticats D. We're also running a poll on our Facebook page on 900CHML on how many games the Ticats will win in 2022. Is it going to be 10 or more or under 10? What do you say? I think it's going to be 10 or more. I think they're going 11 and 7. That's my prediction. I'm with you there. Dave, appreciate the call as always. Enjoy uh, the weekend, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear from you after uh, game one next week. Absolutely, buddy. Cheers, Rick.
That is Dave in Grimsby calling into the fifth quarter, as he is apt to do each and every game. And we are inviting you to call as well. If you're driving home from Guelph or sitting comfortably in your home or just driving around, you can hit us up at AM900CHML, at Rick Samprin on Twitter. Use the hashtag fifth quarter. Send me an email, Rick, at 900CHML.com. Got a couple of emails coming in from Tom and Alan. We'll get to those. Star 9900 on your cell, 905-645-3221 on uh, your landline or your cellular phone, and you can chime in on the fifth quarter. Also broadcasting live on CHML's Facebook page and running a poll on there as well. How many games will the Ticats win in 2022? Ten or more or under ten? You can vote now and until the fifth quarter broadcast ends just before midnight. Also on the show, we're going to play for you a little later on in the, in the program, an interview that I did earlier this week with Luke Tasker as we reminisced about the 2013 season. Of course, that was his rookie year in the CFL, believe it or not. He was 22 at the time, believe it or not. I mean, he's not an old guy. And uh, he had some uh, cool stories to to tell. Uh, we, uh, we played it on uh, Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML this morning. Shameless plug, weekdays 539 on uh, on Hamilton's uh, radio station. And uh, you'll hear it uh, later on in the fifth quarter, so stay tuned for that. Some highlights coming up as well on tonight's ballgame. This is the fifth quarter on 900 CHML. It's where Ticats fans come together. This is the fifth quarter. Powered by Eastgate Ford on 900 CHML. Morris Beattie missed. From outside of 50, this one from 33 is good. There's no time on the clock. The Argos win by a point. 18-17, the final Toronto over Hamilton in the preseason finale for both teams. The Argos uh, losing their first game of the preseason. The Tiger Cats winning their first game of the preseason. And they're off to Regina for game number one of the regular season, which happens on June the 11th. And uh, that will be definitely a telling affair and seeing how ready this team is for uh, one of the best teams in the league, if not just the West Division. That game Saturday, June the 11th. It is a 7 p.m. kickoff. That means the pregame show begins at 6. And, of course, we'll be on the air with the fifth quarter following that game. 905-645-321 or star 9900 on your cell. And email your thoughts on tonight's game. Vote for your player of the game. That email address is rick at 900chml.com and on Twitter at am900chml at Rick Samprin. We are also live on CHML's Facebook page and yes, it is working this week. <laughs> Thank you very much. Brad on Facebook says tonight's game was nothing more than a glorified job interview. As always, our D was solid. Hope our starters don't go into Sask too cold. Disappointed to not see them in there tonight. It is what it is. Let's get this season going. Player of the game, Woods. The kid has some legs and with some experience could be scary. We're also running a poll question on CHML's Facebook page. How many games will the Ticats win in 2022? You have two options, 10 or more, or under 10. Brad says... Ten or more, they're going 12 and 6. You can make your voice heard on CHML's Facebook page as well. Let's go to the email. A lot of emails coming in. And uh, the first one I received was from Tom, who writes, Field goal didn't win it for Toronto. Penalties lost it for Hamilton. And says, nine first downs. I didn't even realize it was that bad. Yikes. It was a yikes. Nine first downs in a ball game is not what you want to see on the stat sheet at the end of the game, especially when you look in the other column and you see that Toronto had 25. Um, total net yards, Toronto had 399, the Tiger Cats 209, and yes, penalties were definitely a factor. Hamilton was okay in the penalty front last week, not so much tonight. 13 infractions for 134 yards. The Argos penalized nine times. For 60 yards, Argos turned the ball over three times. The Tiger Cats just won. Punting, I should say this. We were all panicking with our punting last week as the average 30, what was it, 34 yards? Tonight, for the Tiger Cats, 11 punts, which is a lot, for 48.7 yards per punt. Toronto punted six times, an average of 45.5. 
Time of possession, if you're wondering as well, Toronto 34 minutes, 12 seconds, Hamilton 25 minutes, 40 Eight seconds. Alberts on Twitter at Rick Samprin writes some questionable penalties in the final three minutes called on the Thai Cats. Yes, I would agree. I would agree with that. There were too many of those. And again, I tweeted earlier on just before the fifth quarter. I think the I think the officials are practicing. This is preseason. They're practicing throwing their flags. Guys, this is how you do it. And this is how you do it against Hamilton. <laughs> and uh, and they were flying fast and furious. To the tune of 13 penalties in this ballgame. That's way too much. Uh, back to the email we go. Rick at 900CHML.com if you want to make your voice heard on tonight's Ticats game. And give me your thoughts on what could happen in this regular season. What do you think the Ticats record is going to be? Rick at 900CHML.com or else, hey, you can call in 905-645-3221 star 9900. Uh, Alan from St. Catharines writes, hey, Rick. It was a close game, but we should have won this game. Both backup quarterbacks played quite well. We have some big decisions to make on this team. Who do you think we keep at receiver and who gets cut? I really like Anthony Johnson, but there are a few others that impressed me too. Play to see who they put on the poster and who they relate. I have I have to, because there's so many different guys, go to the Ticats depth chart, uh, especially at the receiver the linebacker, and the DB position. There's like a million guys on the roster. Also, Alan wrote, uh, it's Alan again, forgot to give you my player of the game, Lawrence Woods, for that punt return touchdown. At the receiver position, you know what? To be honest, I think they're pretty much set. There, I see one legitimate opening on this team because we have Braylon Addison, right? He's he's a bona fide starter. We have uh, Tim White and Poppy White, the slot back position along with Addison. So there really is three uh, positions that are soaked up. Dunbar Jr.'s got the fourth, and David Unger, the third, has receiver number five. So now you're looking at those backup positions. So is it a guy like Anthony Johnson who had a touchdown tonight? Yeah, maybe. Is it a guy like Brown who had a big catch tonight? Um, Butler with that lanky kind of frame? Um, reminds me, the first person I thought of when I saw Butler was Prichet Rodriguez. Yes, there's a name from the past. Tall, lanky, uh, a little bit of speed, not much, but he's a guy that can go over the middle, get that first down. He's really your possession receiver and a big target. That's how I see the receivers kind of breaking down. I, I really give the nod to Butler Brown Johnson to fill out kind of that uh, backup position. I think they're, I think they're set at starter. I think their starting receivers are set. And again, no injuries tonight, too. That's a huge plus. Whenever you can play a preseason game and not see anyone go down with an injury, uh, that is a big check mark in the column. A tweet from Jim who writes, Well, Rick Samprin, I'm glad that one doesn't count in the standings. Yes, very much so. Ugly game. Loved seeing the Ticats in Guelph again. Made me nostalgic for 2013 when I was emailing 900 CHML for the fifth quarter from my BlackBerry. <laughs> Jim, yes, that takes us back. Uh, Sob, he writes, I miss my BlackBerry. Let the regular season begin. Great tweet, Jim. And uh, yes, anyone who had a BlackBerry misses it because, well, it, it, it was all that in a bag of chips when it came out. Uh, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell phone. You can email rick at 900chml.com and tell me your thoughts on tonight's game. Vote for your player of the game and uh, tell me how you think this Ticats team is going to do in 2022. Are they a legitimate Grey Cup contender right now in your mind? I think they're there by default. I think they're there primarily because of their outstanding defense. I think they're right there. You look at the other teams in the East, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. I think they'll all be competitive and in some cases might be better. I don't see Ottawa being as bad as they were last year. I mean, they were pitiful. They they got to be better this year. By the way, they lost, they lost to Montreal earlier tonight, 27-26. Other games, Winnipeg over Saskatchewan, 25-16. Calgary blowing away Edmonton in the third quarter tonight, 27-1. to And Saskatchewan leads BC 12-9 to just before halftime. But when you look at the East, I mean, the Cats are right there. They have as good a shot, maybe even better, than any other team in this division. I think the Ticats finish first at 11-7. I think, that's, I think that is the record that they finish with. 
and I think that's good enough to win the division. So if I'm voting in the uh, CHML Facebook page poll question uh, on how many games the Ticats will win in 2022, I think it's 10 plus. Yeah, I think it's 11 and 7. And who knows? Maybe they they might luck out here or there and get a good bounce and finish 12 and 6. I think that's that might be a top out kind of level in terms of wins. Unless, hey, unless Dane Evans just goes off like a rocket. Right? And is hitting receivers here, there, and everywhere. And Don Jackson is the Don Jackson that we saw in the playoffs and towards the end of the season. I mean, he came out of nowhere and was a cannonball. Anthony on email, rick at 900chml.com, writes, After watching the sketchy live feed, first it was so hard to see Speedy B in those colors, and I just hope we came out unscathed on the entry front. Bring on the regular season. That wind reminded me about Sean White circa 2013. An email from Anthony. Uh, He hits on a key point here. Speedy B. If you saw the feed on CFL.ca, and this game was not televised, you saw a good chunk of Brandon Banks in the first half, at least. He had three catches, targeted seven times, 34 receiving yards. Um, he looked weird. He looked absolutely weird, didn't he? If you saw the feed, he looked weird in double blue. I mean, there's some players where they spend all their career with the team, change teams, get into a new uniform, you're thinking – Okay, I can live with it. Yeah, all right, I'm fine. And then there's other guys where it's like, no, it just doesn't look right. Brandon Banks is one of those guys. I'll say this too. Chad Owens, longtime Argonaut, when he came to the Ticats, I thought, wow, man, you look weird in black and gold. I mean, you look good, but it still looks weird. (laughs) And uh, he played well for Hamilton, you know, oft injured, but um, he was a contributor, that is for sure. And he was a heck of a ball player, Uh, one of the best in – the Hamilton slash Toronto um, melding of players who have gone back and forth. We've seen we've seen a few of them, the Mike O'Shea's and the Mike Morialis, the Chad Owens, and now Brandon Banks, the latest to uh, to pull off the feet. Head over to CHML's Facebook page, and you can watch the show live and answer our Facebook poll question of the day today. How many games do you think the Ticats will win in 2022? Is it ten or more? Or is it under ten? It's got to be. It's got to be over ten, right? This team's too good. It's, something will have to go very wrong for this team to not win at least ten games. I mean, if they finish nine and nine, it, something's something's awry. Something has happened, and that something is probably a key injury or injuries. Knock on wood. I hate. I hate even saying the word, but you know, we're all thinking the same thing. Vote for your player of the game. Give me your thoughts on tonight's game. 18-17 the final. Toronto with a walk-off win over the Tiger Cats as Boris Beattie hits a field goal as time expired to give the Argonauts a preseason win over their arch rivals here in Steeltown. Rick at 900CHML.com is the email address on Twitter at Rick Samprin at AM900CHML. Use the hashtag fifth quarter. When we come back, we'll bring you that interview I was talking about earlier. Um, with Luke Tasker that I did earlier this week as we turn back the clock. We flipped the sands of time, if you will, the old hourglass, and reminisced about 2013, which doesn't feel like that long ago, but it is. I mean, it's almost 10 years. Next year will be 10 years that this Ticats team uh, was forced to travel to Guelph as Tim Hortons Field was being constructed on the same site of Iverwind Stadium. We're talking Ticat football. This is the fifth quarter. Powered by Eastgate 4 on 900 CHML. And he's looking deep. It's a beautiful spiral. Anthony Johnson's open. Touchdown, Tiger Cats. A beautiful pass from Newman. Holding by Johnson. That's exactly how they drew it up. Tiger Cats are ahead again. Yeah, that was a great pass and a great catch, and it put the Tiger Cats up 16-15 in the third quarter. But lo and behold, it was the Argonauts who came out victorious 18-17 on a walk-off 33-yard field goal by Boris Beattie into the wind to give the Argonauts a victory, and Hamilton heads into the regular season one week from tomorrow taking on the Saskatchewan Roughriders 
at Mosaic Stadium. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell phone if you want to talk about tonight's game. Vote for your player of the game. Right now, Lawrence Woods has four votes. The Ticats defense has one. If you missed it, Lawrence Woods returned to punt tonight. 99 yards for a touchdown and electrified the crowd at Alumni Stadium in Guelph for the Ticats return there for the first time since 2013 and that nomad-like season in which they went all the way to the Grey Cup. Surprisingly, amazingly, wonderfully uh, ended up losing, of course, that year, but it was a wild and entertaining ride at Alumni Stadium in 2013. It was it was a wet year. It was monsoon season in Guelph in 2013, but the Ticats uh, persevered through many things, not just the weather, but traveling back and forth from Hamilton to Guelph. Um, during the week, practicing in Hamilton, having to bus from one Jarvis, you'll recall, to McMaster University to practice because Iverwind Stadium had been torn down. They were... Uh, building Tim Hortons Field on the same site, just rotating it um, you know, several degrees. And um, it was a, a trying time for this organization, for the team. But they made the best of it and more. And um, a big part of that, especially come playoff time, was Luke Tasker. It was his first year in the CFL, 2013, almost 10 years ago now. And I had the chance to catch up with uh, Mr. Tasker earlier on this week as we reminisced about that 2013 season. Have a listen. Let's turn back the sands of time, if we can, and uh, talk about 2013. What do you remember most about that season? So I, I came in, uh, actually, I came in the exact same week as Speedy B, believe it or not. We, uh, our first uh, week in Hamilton, we shared together um, Boy, <laughs> I drove in up, uh, I drove in down, right down King Street, like all the way from Centennial. I drove into the city, you know, that way for some reason uh, that night, my first time into the city, it was nighttime and I drove right past the skeleton uh, at the time of Tim Hortons Field and all the construction lights on and the big, it was just a big steel frame as I drove in and I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. And checked into the old Jarvis headquarters where, where we were uh, locker roomed in the basement there and you know, it was such a, such a unique experience. And I, and I knew Tommy Condell and Ken Austin already, and, you know, was quickly immersed into the offense. And my, my, uh, I was, I think I was on the practice squad for one week and then was on the starting lineup for, uh, the Calgary game, uh, in Guelph or, you know, out at Guelph. And so I went up for the first time at game day, I literally had to, you know, some of the Ticats staff took Speedy B and myself, uh, to the border, you know, the night before to get our documents in order. And it's sort of a big, uh, you know, logistical mess. And, and I'm doing this at like 7 PM the day before my first ever, you know, professional start. And then bust up to, to Guelph that day. And, you know, for, for what it was, I mean, we were getting, we were getting dressed in trailers and, and all of that. And the locker rooms were very much so temporary uh coach coach o in uh in our podcast uh, uh earlier this week uh, joked that you know he they were in a tent you know like the coaches were in a <laughs> a tent to get ready for the game but uh it was you know what it was actually a blast i mean i it, we it, the ticat you know environment and the fans really showed up and that was my first experience i knew nothing else of hamilton tiger cat football or or of the 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 fanship that they have in the following and so we lined up at Guelph and it was Calgary, which I also knew nothing about. And uh, I actually played pretty well. I had a great, great catch across the middle. We did lose that game. Uh, uh, but my all of my family was up from Buffalo. And and likewise, that was their first experience with Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> all the same. So really, really uh, and a very unique, uh, but albeit, albeit incredibly fun uh, CFL game and experience that was. That first game was week 14, yeah, against the Stamps. She had four catches for 53 yards and obviously went on to bigger and better things in the CFL for sure. But you were fresh off an NFL experience with the San Diego Chargers. They weren't in L.A., obviously, at that time. Uh, what was going through your mind going from the, the bigness and the, the monolith that is the NFL coming to the CFL and, and having to travel to a different city to, to play games and practice in the whole kit and caboodle? Yeah. And, you know, and we were also busing the press practice at, at McMaster each day. So it was a, it did feel very temp temporary, but I have to say that, that Bob Young and the staff that Jarvis was not bad. We, we, in fact, we really, we really liked it down there. Meaning we, the players, like it was, it was a, it was still a home and we had a good locker room and 
uh, you know, a, a meeting, meeting rooms and, and weight room and all that. It was, it was, uh, it was plenty. And so to be honest, and I bet this resonates with a lot of, uh, young Americans who had, who have come up to the CFL and in that I, in San Diego, I had just, a, you know, I sort of had a bad taste in my mouth. I felt a little bit overlooked, felt like I could have had a chance to have made that team. Uh, if circumstances would have been different, it's, you know, seemed expected that I was going to stay around in some capacity there, if it was practice squad or whatever, and it didn't work out. And so the, the change of scenery coming back to a town that's much more so like my hometown, Buffalo, um, meaning Hamilton and Buffalo compared to say Hamilton or Buffalo to San Diego. It kind of felt like I was coming home, but at all the same, a very new experience and in a foreign country to me. And, and it, it was, so there was just some really, I, I was very excited and encouraged by the football environment in Hamilton and Guelph was, you know, it was, it was not the greatest locker rooms, not the greatest, all that, blah, blah, blah. But it was, it was very temporary. There was all the buzz already about Tim Horton's field and what that was going to be. And so it was actually a very, uh, very exciting time that I joined into the Ticat sort of family, not just the team, but I mean the city and the, and the fans as well, just everyone was sort of buzzing. And, and then of course we ended up going to the Grey Cup uh, those two seasons during that transition. So it was, it was just, it was just really fun and exciting. And I was that game, that actual night in, in Guelph against Calgary, man, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that I was actually going to start and play a decent amount in a, in a football game and a sit in a, on a team that I'd been a part of for, you know, 10, 10 or 14 days, maybe. So <laughs> I, I was, I was nervous like as you would for anything, but I was in a new uniform and I was ready to ready to, to go and try to be a, a good part of it. Some of the teammates on that 2013 club, you mentioned one of them in Brandon Banks. Others include Henry Burris. That was the uh, first year for Jeremiah Masoli in Hamilton, CJ Gable, Andy Fantus, Dave Stalla, Greg Ellingson, Simone Lawrence, Mark Heath Knowlton, Jamal Johnson, Eric Harris, Courtney Steven, Mark Beswick on special teams. Luca Kanji was the kicker. Great offensive line with Marwan Hage, uh, Peter Dykowski, Brian Simmons. That was a talented team. It was awesome, man. It was a, uh... We had a really, really strong group of vets, obviously Hank Burris being the notable uh, uh, vet there, um, but it was a cool, it was a cool team to, to join into. And I was, I was, let me see here. I was 22 years old at the time. So, I mean, I was really, really young uh, on the team. I don't think I was the youngest if I'm remembering correctly, but I remember standing a few weeks later, standing on the field in, in uh, Regina, uh, warming up for the Grey Cup, which was hard to do because that Grey Cup was frigid, frigid, icy, cold. But <laughs> warming up thinking, man, this is unbelievable. A year ago, I was playing in, you know, I was at Cornell University in the Ivy League and not knowing anything about about the CFL or expecting to be up there. And just a really cool, you know, turn of events throughout that year that brought me there. And Guelph was included in that. And uh, that my my first games were against Calgary at Guelph and then went to the Rogers center in, in, in the dome in Toronto, where I scored my first touchdown, Hank Burris threw a seam route to me down the left side, uh, going towards the locker room and the locker room end. And just, it was awesome. We won that game. And then we went back to Guelph again to play Toronto back to back. And so that's, that was another, you know, new thing to me. And it's, you know, it's, the CFL has that unique situation of playing teams back to back, which isn't, isn't, done really in the NCAA or in the NFL. And it was, uh, that was exciting. I mean, I you could, it was palpable, the, the rivalry and the, in the, and just the, just the disdain for the, that these two teams had for each other and to go back to back from the Rogers center, then back to Guelph, uh, where I, I, I actually, in that game, I had a strange CFL type of thing. I, I caught a ball over the middle at Guelph, got, tackled from the behind and they stripped the ball out and the ball took a strange sort of awkward bounce towards the Toronto end zone. And it happened to get accidentally kicked out of bounds by a Toronto Toronto player through their own end zone, which results in a safety. And so I had made, I had this real quirky play where I made, made this mistake and dropped the ball, but it, but we got two points and got the ball back. So it was really a bizarre uh, turn of events and one of those weird things that can happen. But uh, that was, that turned into another great night at Guelph and yeah, it was, what, what a fun, uh, what a fun uh, year that was. For the record, there was one guy who beat you in terms of being the youngest on that team. That was running back Kendall Lawrence who beat you by a oh, couple yeah. months, but otherwise. 
Uh, I know it's early, and this is the last question I'll ask you, but w- uh, what do you make of this 2022 Ticats team? You know, that was an exciting game to watch and to call from the booth uh, on Saturday. Uh, saw tons of energy and kind of a more, what I would say, a more cohesive team on the field for for being so so early and fresh into camp in the first preseason game and rosters fluctuating. I still saw a real cohesive effort and uh, really impressive play uh, uh, on the quarterback position, not only Dane, but then, you know, sort of as they went through the lineup there, which was, that's, that's encouraging every, every year, you're going to need to call on more than one guy. Um, lots of youth, uh, guys who are looking to make a spot. And I'm thinking that there'll be some new names this year that are going to end up by the, by the time we get to November being, being, you know, real important, uh, uh, members to this organization. It'll be exciting to see who, who sort of t- fills those roles and, and, uh, takes those places. Luke Tasker, always great catching up with you. Enjoy the rest of the season. Will do. Thanks, Rick. I'll talk to you soon. That is Luke Tasker. We had that discussion earlier on this week, reminiscing about 2013 in Guelph, and there was a lot to be um, happy about that year, for sure. It didn't start out well. I was going back in the um, in the record books. The Ticats had a great preseason that year. They beat Montreal 33-26. And then they demolished, I don't know if you guys remember this game, they demolished Winnipeg 52 to nothing. Do you remember that game? Preseason, 52 to nothing? That um, that was something to behold. But they opened the season, I think it was 1-4. and four. They lose to Toronto 39-34 in week one. And that game was in Toronto. Back at the old Dome. Remember the Dome? Yeah, of course we do. Uh, first game in Guelph. They lose 30-20 to against Edmonton. So they're 0-2 out of the gate in 2013. They managed to beat Winnipeg again, this time not 52-0, but 25-20 for their first one of the season. They get shellacked in Saskatchewan 37-0 in Week 4. They lose again in the return engagement in Guelph against the Riders 32-20. And then they kind of found their footing. Ticats beat Edmonton in week six of 2013, 30-29. They get the bye week, come out and beat the Bombers again in week eight, 37-18. Whip Winnipeg once again, 37-14 in week nine. They lose a close one in BC, 29-26. Beat the Lions in the rematch, 37-29. What a back and forth season 2013 was. Lose to the Stamps, as they usually did way back when, uh, 26-22. Beat Montreal 26 or 28-26. Lose to the Stamps again in Luke Tasker's first game, 35-11 at Alumni Stadium. Go to the Dome and hammer the Argos again, 33-19, in which Tasker caught his first touchdown. Beat the Argos again, 24-18 in Guelph. The Ticats get hammered in Week 17 by Montreal, 36-5. They come back and beat the Alouettes 27-24 the following week and end the regular season 10-8 by once again embarrassing Winnipeg 37-7. The Tiger Cats certainly had the Bombers that year. There was no doubt about that. Uh, Not so much in the last two Grey Cups. Playoff time, we remember this one. In overtime, Tiger Cats beating Montreal 19-16 on a Luka Kanji game-winning field goal. Then they go to the Dome and beat the Argos again, 36-24 in the East Final. And they're off to the Grey Cup in Regina, where they lose 45-23 against Saskatchewan. But what a year it was, 2013, and it's hard to believe that it's almost 10 years ago. Welcoming Ticats fans, young and old, you're listening to the fifth quarter. Powered by Eastgate 4 on 900 CHML. Back to kick for the Argos is John Haggerty, rookie out of Western Kentucky. Watching him in warm-ups, he was booming it. Pretty good kick. Lawrence Woods at his own 10. He gets to the 20. He's got some blocking. He's up past the 25, to the 30, up to the 35, the 40. Now it's just up to Haggerty to catch him. Lawrence Woods, he's going to break this for a touchdown. Off the punt, Lawrence Woods makes his mark with the Tiger Cats. Maybe they found their new kick returner. A punt return touchdown for Lawrence Woods. 
That is your big play of the game here on the fifth quarter on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with you. It was a massive play. Gave the Tiger Cats a 6 to nothing lead. But lo and behold, it is the Argos with a walk-off win this time around as they beat Hamilton 18-17 to on a 33-yard field goal by Boris Beattie as time expired. As Toronto evens their preseason record to 1-1, and they get the bye week in week number one. Hamilton will enter next week's season opening game in Saskatchewan one week from tomorrow with a record of 1-1 one one as well. But again, those wet records really don't mount to a hill of beans. It's now is the time where the points start to count. Uh, your thoughts on tonight's game. You can uh, tell us in a variety of ways. You can go on CHML's Facebook page and tell us about your thoughts on the game and give us your prognostication of what will happen in 2022. There's also a poll question on CHML's Facebook page on the live um, footage of the fifth quarter. Will the Ticats win 10 or more games in 2022 or less than 10? Vote for your player of the game as well. Rick at 900CHML.com is the email address to use. You can also call into the fifth quarter. We've got about eight minutes left to play in this show. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on yourself. Twitter also open at Rick Samprin at AM900CHML. Use the hashtag fifth quarter as you vote for your player of the game and give me your game thoughts tonight. Got an email from Tom in Guelph who says one point on the punting, 11 puns for 48.9 average looks good on paper, but a lot of the punts were about 35 yards that the Argo returners butchered. They let them bounce for an extra 15 to 20 yards. A good returner would have lowered the average substantially. Cheers, Tom from Guelph. And that is 100% true because the takes and whoops that did commit. At the end of the Cats punting 11 times, which number one is way too much, for a 48.7 yard average, Argos punting just six times in the ballgame for 45.5. On Facebook, Steve writes, in response to Dave from Grimsby's insightful comments about not seeing the first stringers, a day from Grimsby calling in earlier on in the show. Uh, Steve writes, I suspect an important part of the thinking was a concern on Coach O's part with preseason injuries. It seems to me that Hamilton suffered a bunch of those last year and in 2019. Thanks, Steve from Burlington. And that's the delicate balance of the preseason. You know, you want to A, get your players ready for the start of the year. B, you want to evaluate the guys that you really have no clue how they're going to transition from four-down football in the U.S. to three-down football and a bunch of other different rules in the Canadian Football League. And I think that's the that was the primary focus tonight. And we heard from Coach O in the Ticats postgame saying he's not looking forward to making the cuts because there's going to be some hard decisions to make. But at the end of the day... The balance with any GM, coach, front office personnel is this. We have to have a good enough team to challenge for a trophy and at the same time continue to stockpile our depth and get some blue chippers for the years to come as the older players get on in years, uh, retire, uh, are more apt to get injured. We need a, a stockpile of good talent. And I think tonight's game, primarily, when we did not see Dane Evans, we did not see Don Jackson, Javon Santos-Knox, Cameron Kelly, um, many of the starting receivers like Braylon Addison, Poppy White, Tim White, uh, Steve Dunbar Jr., none of those guys were on the field. Um, a lot of the defenders as well, guys like Cariel Brooks, we did not, Tunde Delicate, we didn't see them tonight. This was all, Tonight was all about evaluating, seeing how these up-and-comers um, – transitioned into the CFL game. That was the primary focus of tonight's game. Now, you might say, well, they should have done that last week. And yeah, they could have, and maybe they should have, but think of it this way as well. You have two preseason games. You're going to get looks in one of those games. Why not reward the hometown fans who went to Tim Hortons Field last week with um, a bunch of the stars that they're going to see this season. So we got to see Dane Evans. We got well, the list goes on and on. All this we're going to be on the field one week from tomorrow. From an evaluation standpoint, look you want to look at eventually. I don't mind it being in game two for this reason. You have all of training camp to do this evaluation. 
and then you have one preseason game to get them into some kind of action. Right? We saw last week with uh, Jalen Morton getting into the ballgame. And he was given the opportunity tonight to start the ballgame. And we saw you know, him make a couple of nice plays. He certainly has a strong arm, but he was just too locked into his receivers. Like the Argos defense could have had many more picks. They got one on him. They could have had at least a couple more. And one of them could have been a pick six. And we also saw Jamie Newman tonight, who was perfect passing, 8 for 8 tonight. Didn't really light it up in terms of yardage, 88 yards through the air. Uh, did have one nice touchdown, though, a 34-yarder to Anthony Johnson. So if you're Coach O, you're now looking at these, not only the statistics, but uh, the, the, the body of work in practice in this game. The one thing that we don't see is what happens in the meeting room, what happens in the film room. How are these guys communicating what they're seeing on the screen to their coaches? And can they take that onto the field, whether it's in practice or in a game? That is something we don't get to see. We just see the finished product. Right? What happens between the lines? We don't get to see that transition, that feedback, that understanding of what the team is trying to do schematically and with the playbook. Uh, Brad writes, in my opinion, camp was so close. Oh, needed this game to make those critical depth decisions. And yeah, absolutely right. I think that that was the focus of this game. When we saw many of the starters start last week, I thought, all right, he's going to use this game number two to really find out what he has in terms of the other guys on this team. We know what the starters and the stars can do. They've been here in many cases for several years, or they've been in the league for a few years. Um, Coach O knows what they can do. He's trying to find out what the other guys can. Can they get the job done next week in Saskatchewan and beyond? That remains to be seen. How good is this Ticats team going to be? I think it's a 10-plus win team if they stay healthy especially on offense. I think they got lots of depth on defense. They got some depth on offense. The one thing we didn't talk about really last week or this week is the offensive line. That was a big concern last year. And I think that's been shored up, especially when you have Chris Van Zyl on the right side. Um, that's a huge check mark. I think they got some good pieces in the line. They're going to see some pressure, of course, from Saskatchewan. That is for sure. First home game for the Ticats, Saturday, June 18th. And that'll be against the Calgary Stampeders. That should be a fun one as well. All right, our player of the game voted by you, the fans, Lawrence Woods with a 99-yard punt return for a touchdown to open up the scoring tonight. Our fifth quarter fan of the night is Jim, who chimed in on Twitter missing his blackberries. He reminisced about 2013. Our next broadcast, of course, comes after the Ticats tangle with the Rough Riders in Regina on Saturday, June the 11th. Thanks for all your calls, your tweets, your emails, your Facebook messages as well. Argos 18, Ticats 17, preseason over bring on the regular season for producer ben strawn my name's rick samprin enjoy the rest of the weekend right here on 900 chml where ticats fans come together win or lose listen after every game to the fifth quarter powered by eastgate four on 900 chml the fifth quarter podcast is available on apple podcast google podcast and wherever you get your favorite podcast I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.